0: Hey, everyone from NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. Coming up later this week, I'll be back on New Music Friday sharing some of the best albums that are coming out now, including one from the Puerto Rican singer Ile. Her latest is called Naka It's an album that she says is all about how the personal and political intersect. She sings about protest and feminism and colonization and even her own battles with self-doubt. She talks more about these themes in a conversation on this episode of NPR's Alt-Latino with hosts Felix Contreras and Ana Maria Sayer. You know, Ana, the other day I was listening to some updates on the hurricane situation in Florida, and there was also an update on the hurricane situation in Puerto Rico, and it reminded me of how people on the island and off the island have such a strong, strong connection to Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, it really is this amazing thing. I think growing up in Southern California, I wasn't around a ton of Puerto Ricans earlier in life. And I think the more I've covered music and the more I've spent time with Puerto Ricans with their music, you get this sense of just how tightly knit the community is. It really is kind of like that energy of everybody knows everybody a little bit. And also, like, everybody feels connected, whether they know each other or not.
0: And I've seen that happen with musicians where they cross genres. They may be a salsa musician, but they were also working with a rock band and maybe some hip-hop and, and reggaeton bands. That community is close musically, but also culturally. And then just the connection to the land, the island itself, is is incredibly strong.
1: And I feel like that has to breed this unique flexibility and willingness to cross over and to experiment with new things and to be inspired by different things because they're all drawing from this same source that is the island and then the community and the people and the culture and the love that goes along with that space. And so, like, typically, you know, we see a genre and it's born out of a certain place and maybe it's influenced by another place, but it feels really deeply connected to that place and it's its own thing versus with Puerto Rico. There's been so many genres that have been played with on the island and so much that has happened to the people and the resilience that they have that it's like this whole melting pot of all kinds of different sounds that all feel distinct to the island. It's like the island dictates the music, not the musical styling if that makes sense.
0: And that's something we can measure in this week's conversation with the vocalist known as Ile.
2: Por los rincones, los de los
0: Who came to talk to us about her latest work, but also about her connection to Puerto Rico.
1: I feel like her too, especially, she's, you know, comes from this really musical family, was a part of Calle Trece and then kind of went off and did her own thing. And she is such a wonderful example of, I think, what we're talking about here with Puerto Rico, where she's played across genre and she really is that perfect shining picture of, of the in between, the unresolved that is the island, and, and she represents that so well in, in her music and in who she is and not not in a confusing way or in a disjointed way, but rather in this like beautiful synergistic making something amazing out of a lot of mixed pieces, which is really incredible.
0: And you know, Elay is one of those musicians that has been on not Latino a couple of times and now we're just touching bases to hear what's going on in her life these days.
1: She's such a wonderful presence too. I just so enjoyed being able to sit down with her and get just a little bit of her wisdom and get a sense of, I don't know, where she's headed. It feels like she's really... Really still just at the beginning, even though she's had this career, like, there's just so much more we're going to see from her.
0: Oh, by the way, you're listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras.
1: And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Let the may begin.
0: Ile. Welcome to All Latino again.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: <laughs> Great to see you back. You know, you and I have talked a number of times in the past at this point, And, you know, the conversation about Puerto Rico always comes up. And it seems to be such a integral part of your life. We didn't feel like we could bring you on without first asking. How, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How did you guys survive the uh, hurricane? What's going on?
3: I wasn't here when the hurricane passed. I was playing in Colombia and I had to stay one more day because the hurricane was supposed to be on a Friday and it ended up being on a Sunday because it was very slow. But my whole family was here and they're all okay because it affected mostly other parts of the island. So luckily, me and my family are okay. Like the studio got a little flooded. It was unfortunate, but at the same time, it doesn't compare to the situation that many families are going through right now. Unfortunately, like a lot of areas in the island got really affected. It was kind of a shock for being a Category 1 hurricane. I think it was something that we weren't, expected to be as strong. I think that made us realize at the same time that there weren't many things fixed since Hurricane Maria. And now the whole story again of bad governments, corruption, and on and on.
1: (laughs) Obviously, like Puerto Rico is really integral to to who you are and the music that you make. Growing up, how did Puerto Rico, the life, the people, the island itself influence your sense of your own musicalness?
3: I think it was something that was always there, but I didn't realize it as much until I started growing up. But I do remember there was always a lot of salsa in my house. There was also a lot of different types of music, but salsa was something that was constantly at home, you know, or in the car, whatever. And my dad is a musician and he likes salsa as well, so I started learning more about the musicality and the interpretations and the songs and the backgrounds. My dad always likes to look up to the background of the story of the song and, and he always talks to me about it. So. I became fond of that, you know, of of associating that great musicality, those great orchestras and musicians and singers with Puerto Ricans, you know, most of them were also from Puerto Rico. So it was amazing to start appreciating that talent. I think because we're a colony of the United States, we're so used to underestimating Mm. ourselves. We have a very low self-esteem, even though we try not to show it. (laughs) But I think that translates to so many things that we started being ashamed of that were culturally natural for us. Mm. And I think I became a part of that sometime in my life, and I didn't appreciate it as much until I started traveling. I feel that I transcended that feeling a long time ago, but at the same time, nowadays, I still have friends and people that I see, they still have that same shame. So we are battling with that a lot, and I think nowadays we're starting little by little to feel proud of who we are and not being ashamed
1: of that at all. Seeing those two things right next to each other, like that shame and that challenge of, of feeling that sense of pride, but also feeling it a little bit hampered on, and then pairing that with salsa, which I feel like to me is one of the most purely joyful, life-giving types of music that exists. Admittedly, I'm a little sleepy this morning because I was out late salsa dancing last night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just telling you guys this.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, so that's the reason. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, Felix could tell this morning. He's like,
2: hmm.
1: I was thinking about this last night as I was dancing, as I was like, there's nothing, like, there's no way that music takes on this completely different life than when you're dancing when you're salsa dancing right because it's like you could listen to music in the context of like sitting somewhere isolated and that's one thing but then you add the dance to it and it like is this whole other beautiful art form and so i just like to me those two things feel so like beautiful paired together right like the joy the pure joy and some of that shame it's like that's a really unique picture to paint i really (laughs) like that
3: yeah i mean i i love it too I, i that's why i love being from here and living here as well it's a weird feeling with the whole political situation but at the same time it is for me in a way admirable how we manage things hard situations And I think our culture has a lot to do with that, our musicality and the beach as well, you know, like we in a way manage things as a community at the end because we are so nearby each other and we work as a big family. And that's why in situations as critical as this after a hurricane, like we automatically look for each other and make sure that we're all okay. So I admire that.
2: El corazón se acelera, despierta la adrenalina. Todo se ve más brillante por dentro de mi pupila. Queriendo ser más de una, me convierto en tantas cosas.
0: I would think that also that just as much as your family influenced your sense of of music, and this is something we've talked about in the past as well, about how your family has also influenced your sense of social justice, your sense of politics, your sense of what's going on in the world in general, and specifically as it relates to the island and the relationship with the U.S. Is that something that's always been there, like on the same level as, as you discover music as well?
3: I think it has to do that I'm the little one in the family that I grew (laughs) up in. So I looked up to everyone in my family, like my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brothers. The brother that is closest to me, it's like seven years apart. So I don't have someone as near as my age. So I think that I learned like different generations My mom and my dad and my grandmother, I I think like we as a family have always acknowledged the importance of being connected and being present with the situation that the country is in. I remember always being conscious about the importance of that, you know? Maybe while I was growing up, I was finding my own way of processing it and finding my own perspective and also being from another generation. Mm
0: -hmm. But at
3: the same time, I always remember, you know, being aware of how many disinformation we have. Mm -hmm. Like I said, oh, because of the colony, because there's a lot of important people here in Puerto Rico that we don't know enough about, because we're used to learning more about the United States history than our own. That was something that my parents always talked about, you know, important figures, Puerto Rican figures that helped, that were part of the lucha here. (laughs) So for me, that has always been important. And also salsa music has a lot of protest songs in it. So at the same time I was growing up, like suddenly like there's this salsa song that you're dancing to. But then, oh, yes, this used to be a poem that talked about Puerto Rico when it was going through this process, you know, and suddenly it's like, wow, you feel more connected to the song.
1: Being the little one, as you say it, um, <laughs> I'm also the littlest one. And, uh, some, <laughs> and sometimes there's like a feeling of, well, maybe I don't want to do what everyone else before me has done. <laughs> and I feel like, especially in your family, so much social justice conversation so much activism all of these things was there ever a part of you that was resistant to incorporating some of that in your music or just into your life and who you are and how you express yourself
3: i don't know how conscious i am about that exactly but i mean musically but yeah obviously being the little one and it has always been something special for me because everyone has always taken care of me and and there's a lot of love in my family and and I appreciate and value that a lot but yeah obviously in part because of that weird feeling of of being so loved at the same time you are you need space <laughs> to <laughs> to find your own thing you know to to ask yourself like yeah i mean i'm a part of this and i love many things about my whole family and I think that we are very much alike in a lot of things but at the same time like I need to be my own person you know (laughs) I need to I need to be myself and that for me it was something a little challenging because yeah like everyone wants to take care of you so much and they are very aware of reality and they don't want it to affect you as much but you have to live at the same time so I think I am very conscious about that and they still see me the same way even though I'm 33 years old. (laughs) 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 Uh, I mean I think like I had to accept that that's never going to change, but at the same time, like I try to enjoy it. You know, now I'm in a different moment, and now I'm more sure of who I am and what I like and what I don't like. So I I went through that already, but yeah, at the same time it's funny to see them the same way as when I was five. <laughs>
0: Siempre
1: la bebé, right? Sí, that's exactamente. Like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> sí. <laughs> What did becoming your own individual and doing your own thing and being independent, like, can you think of, what did that look like for you? I mean, the thing is that I've always felt that I'm older than
3: I am because I grew up with older people, like, I knew, like, what I wanted, so... I think that since I was very young, like I was already like projecting like, okay, I'm I'm sure about my life, but I think it was harder for me to maybe show my family (laughs) that I was feeling that way, you know? Maybe when I was 19 years old and I actually left my house, you know, that I was actually felt independent. They don't realize it as much until maybe they see that you already have your own space, that you are not in, in the house no more, so <laughs> it's more visual, you know? But still, sometimes they just say, Oh, 33 already? I thought you were 32. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <yeah>. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's part of who we are. We We are so used to being together all the time, and for me, that's beautiful, so I just go on with it, like I... Maybe there's a part of me as well that doesn't want to separate anything, never.
0: <laughs> You're in an interesting situation in that, at least with the two brothers that you performed with in Calle 13, they each have eventually developed their own musical identities, right? As have you. So at what point did you feel like you could present your own musical identity to them? And how has that continued on even up to including the new record?
3: I think they've always known because even though I've always enjoyed a a lot of different musicalities, like I've always loved boleros and it was what I enjoyed singing the most. So I remember the first Calle 13 show in Puerto Rico, I sang a song of La Lupe, puro teatro. Mm. Mm. And for me, I mean, I was like 16 years old and I... And I was singing La Lupe, so for me it was pretty clear <laughs> since the beginning what I really wanted to explore with when the time comes, you know? Maybe for the um, audience was newer, was was more strange maybe, but I think like for me and for my family, like we've always known that that was a part of me that I that I just needed to explore with sometime and I did it with my first album, Ilevitable. <laughs>
1: That must have been a little high pressure, though, having these two older brothers who are very much have defined musical paths. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm I'm going to do
3: something different. They supported me like all the time, like even though, like I said, like they see me as a little one. We've always had a good communication. We always uh, speak things like... With a lot of transparency, too much transparency. (laughs) And I love that because like we speak things with honesty and I think they've always known that I was, I mean, I've always seen myself in Calla Trece as a collaborator, even though that, you know, I'm part of it in a way, but I've always felt that I was more collaborating in my brother's project. So I was just enjoying what was going on at the time, and analyzing at the same time if I wanted that for myself, if I was enjoying enough, you know, if I saw myself doing that. And yeah, like I've enjoyed it every time more and more, and I just needed to explore what I wanted at that time. <laughs>
1: We will be back with this interview with Ile in just a minute. This message comes from NPR sponsor, State Farm. With budgeting comes the possibility of giving up some of
3: the things you enjoy. For instance, you might be looking at your expenses thinking you're going to have to give up streaming music or pass on the next three-day music festival. Well, State Farm has options like insuring your ride and your home with surprisingly great rates on both. These good neighbors don't think you should have to give up what you love for great insurance. So for surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.
0: What does the new album bring you in that progression?
3: I think I learned the most, maybe, from this album. It's a little different from the other two albums, but at the same time I feel that I've always had the need to play with what I'm passionate about Bolero is always that I just can't get rid of, you know. It's so fun for me to keep finding new ways to explore with it. But with this album, I think because I felt so lost in the process of making it, I had to battle with my OCD self or with, I don't know, like with my more structured side. Like I I prefer to have always like a plan and some like a clear direction of where I want to go and how I want to work. But in this album, I always say that their songs were the ones that were taking me somewhere that I didn't know where they were going because I kept writing, I kept composing, but I still wasn't sure where I was going with this. I think this album is a lot of that, you know, it's a mix of all that I was going through at that time of the pandemic, the quarantine, you know, emotionally, mentally, and socially, you know, many things at the same time uh, that at the end made it fun. But it was from that moment where I just accepted that it was okay to feel a little uncomfortable and I had to embrace that and just play with it. But it took me a while to get there.
0: I can't help but notice that the bird singing in the background. <laughs> I was about a, to say a, no, but it seems it sounds like like what you were saying resonated with the bird because the bird has been quiet the whole time. I and know. The bird wanted to have wanted to have a say in what you were. All of a maybe sudden, agreeing with you. <laughs> it was yeah, like maybe. new album.
1: Let's talk about this. <laughs> Obviously, in many ways, you know, your last album talked a lot about political issues in Puerto Rico, issues that were on your heart around the people and and the state of the island and now you're like putting this new album out into the world right as everything's happening with Fiona and is there a part of you that feels like I said all the things and I and I made the statements around how I felt about the situation and now the situation hasn't really changed? Like, when do I stop expressing myself on this? Like, was there a tension there for you about, like, how much do I really want to say anymore this time around?
3: When I feel that I'm in a different moment, like, I don't want to force things. And I just like to write and compose, like, very connected to the mood I am in. Like, There's a song in this album that is called Donde Nadia Mas Respira that I released in 2020. I wasn't sure it was going to be part of the album, but at the end I made it part of because I liked that song very much. But at the time, my head was someplace else. And then suddenly, like, I just needed to express the anger that I was feeling at that moment. And I just changed, you know, I just had to write about that. That's how I felt at the moment. It is frustrating, you know, but what would Albizu and, and Julia de Burgos, you know, that like a lot of recognized figures in Puerto Rico that have fought for Puerto Rico, so many years ago, like why would they say today? Maybe they feel the same. Like things haven't changed as much. I feel there is something slightly shifting. We're in the middle of what is going on, you know, of the change that we're that is happening. I think worldwide. Every time that I feel like it, I speak about it. And if I just feel like speaking or singing about something else, I do it as well. Like I, Almadura, for example. Like I was very, very, very angry at the moment and it came from accumulating a lot of anger at the same time that that just needed to be to explode I, I i was like i exploded with that album in this one like i'm in a different moment and i still have that anger but it's differently
0: it seems like it's just part of the the maturation process that we go through as humans mm-hmm. individuals you know we learn to pick our fights right we learn to pick what to get angry about otherwise Every affront is a throwdown for a battle, and not doing that is finding the spots of beauty in between.
3: I get frustrated and angry all the time of what goes on in Puerto Rico, but I need to channel other things as well. So, like, I need to balance my emotions, you know, and other emotions need to be taken care of as well.
1: And that's like the most natural human thing in the world, right too <laughs> yeah. is like you can't sustain a certain feeling for years and years and years as you change because you're you're a living, growing, breathing, changing thing, just as the island is, just as the situation is, and so those things aren't always going to be exactly aligned in this very like specific linear way, right, yeah. I loved how earlier when we were talking about the salsa, you kind of snuck in a mention of the beach and the ocean, too, because obviously, as someone who lives near the ocean, I feel like we're all just in its orbit a little bit. If you live near it, you're like, life just moves (laughs) with the ocean and so much of Puerto Rico and, and honestly it seems to me like the struggle with the U.S. too has to do with preserving that that natural world. I'm curious, as those things are impacted, as those things evolve around you, if that impacts the way that you're inspired in your work.
3: Totally, it does. I mean, everything that happens here affects me too much. I mean, it's hard. I don't know if it's because we are so little. Everything that happens here is as if it only happens here. Like you feel, I don't know if it's because we are used to feeling on our own, maybe because we're an island and like we're surrounded by water and like we have nowhere to go. (laughs) Well, we have to swim. Yeah. um, Everything that happens here affects me. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, if it affects me that much, I feel that a lot of people that go through very difficult situations like it has to be so hard to be sane mentally here especially like we live also in the states as well as in puerto rico like it's not well managed the mental health you know so it's very strange because we do manage it in the beach it's weird but but it is our oasis you know almost everyone here you know (laughs) obviously like everything affects you Uh, you feel that everything it's like as if like a brother or sister it happened to someone very near to you so it's mixed feelings all the time like it's something that I love like how I said before like I love the energy here I love that we are naturally warm people (laughs) but at the same time it happens the other way around like with bad things. Like, it's very personal. Everything becomes too personal.
0: Do you ever think that you could live anywhere else permanently?
3: No. I was talking to my mom the other days. I... I was saying to her, like, you know, like, it doesn't matter how messed up the island is and how bad the situation is. But I feel so much better being here, you know, because I think it was my first hurricane not being in the island. And I felt horrible. Like, you just depend on the media and the pictures and and it's so much anxiety. And here... It's more anxiety, but at the same time, like, you feel in your habitat and you feel with your people and you say, okay, what can I do? Like, you feel that you're here and and you may, might do something about it if you can.
1: I feel like there cannot be a truer sense of home than to be like, I would rather be present <laughs> in a hurricane, but with <laughs> mi gente, with mi familia, with everyone, going through it together than... Than separated from that I mean that's like
3: yeah
0: Eliana <laughs> Cabra thank you so much again for taking time to check in with us again we look forward to having these conversations again and again over the years but thank you so much for taking time this week
3: thank you thank you for everything always <laughs>
1: Is it fair to say, can I say this, that I'm, like, a little starstruck right now? I just think she's so cool. (laughs) Like, you know, starstruck in the way where you're like, can we hang out sometime? Or...
0: (laughs) And the times that uh, she's come by here at NPR to either do the tiny desk or do an interview, that's real. It's very, very real. Where she is... Just herself, she's a very engaging person. She's very relaxed, very subdued, mm-hmm. you know, and, and but, but very comforting in a big way. And I think that that comes through in each of her records that she's put out. Mm-hmm. And it's just been fascinating to watch each stage of her growth as an artist mm-hmm. up to and including the most recent record. But also how, as she discussed in her conversation, how these themes of dealing with the stress and trauma of the hurricanes, of the colonization it becomes personal for folks on the island, but at the same time, there are opportunities to express joy, camaraderie, solidarity, either against these things that are cause trauma or just a celebration of life, yeah. and I think that that's, I got that in her conversation.
1: Yeah, she's honestly such a chiller, and I feel like what you're describing right now, Felix, too, is like, I think a huge part of it that is present in her personally that then, like you said, shows up in the music is there's this like serious openness that she has to just like accepting things as they are. And I, I think this keeps coming up in a way for us. Like we talk to a lot of these artists who are so open, so relaxed, so joyful in the face of all of these various challenges that frankly, like are a aspect of Latino life in many ways. And like... It is not that they are joyful and open and all of these things because it is despite in some ways. And I think you see that in her openness as a person, but also the way that she's open to experimenting sonically and across all these different genres. Like, I think that that willingness to experiment and take risks creatively also is like a product of living a life where you've had to really take risks in being joyful in the face of difficult things.
0: Some would say that that's how you get through the difficult things, is by finding the joy in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also that she grew up collaborating with her brothers in Calle Trece, Oh
1: my God. Right? Can you imagine? I mean...
0: Think about it, and they have the most number of Latin Grammy nominations. They were a juggernaut. They were incredibly influential, incredibly successful, but also so artistically profound in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so that when you grow up in that kind of environment, collaborating becomes almost second nature. Mm-hmm.
1: But then also I totally related to what she said. I think there's such a thing in like... This is a thing in my family where if you're the baby, you are the baby like eternally. There is nothing you can do or say (laughs) or accomplish to escape that. They're like, oh, like to this day, if I go home, mi abuela is like. Oh, but Ani, like she's a baby, like and and so I I can't imagine to like being in that family and having the accolades and and all the musical like everyone knows you, the world knows you, right, as this musician, but in the family you're still like. Oh, Ilay's going to try her thing. Like, that's great.
0: <laughs> well, as the oldest in my family. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: Maybe still... that's,
1: where our, the, that's where the tension lies,
0: Felix. <laughs> Between you and I, I think it might be. Because honestly, I mean, my youngest brother is, you know, in his 50s. He's, you know, a grandfather. gonna about to be, become a grandfather again. But when I close my eyes and I think of my brother Manny, I think of him when he was like in the sixth grade. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, because that's my image of him, e- even as, you know, he's grown up and he's very successful and he's got this wonderful family. And But I think that that says a lot about our hearts, right, and where we hold our people close to us.
1: And it affects you. It defines you, right? Like the way that you approach the world, you're like, okay, you're eternally on this quest. You're like, I know I'm the baby, but I'm going to do it anyways. I think we all have a little bit of a fire in our belly to make it happen, and I think she definitely has that.
0: Okay, well, we'll try to contain that fire in your belly here on the show. <laughs>
1: <now. Okay. laughs> I already revealed that I was out late dancing, feeling.
0: I know, I know.
1: <laughs>
0: That'll do it for this week's edition of Alt Latino. Our editor is Hazel Sills. Our production assistant is Phil O'Reilly. Our audio editor is Ron Scalzo. The person who keeps everything under control is Grace Chung.
1: And then big thanks to our jefe-in-chief, Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals here at
0: NPR. I'm Felix Contreras.
1: I'm Ana Maria Sayer.
0: Thank you so much for listening.